Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells you all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. Patriots Against CPS Corruption invites you to attend our March for Texas Children. DFPS has failed the families of Texas. The Texas Special Committee on DFPS has also failed the parents as well as their children. Time to make our voices heard and surround yourself with those on the same mission as you. Join us on the March for Our Children September 21st, 2022, starting at 1 p.m. at 701 West 51st Street, Austin, Texas, 78751. I've got a brand new guest. Her name is Marta Bryce Lentz, the father, based on documented neglect and alienation, which is lasting so long that it has been determined by forensic psychologists to be an abuse. Like many other court cases, her evidence of abuse of her child has been ignored by Staten Island family court judges, beginning with Judge Janet McFarland through Judge Peter DeLizzo, Supervising Judge of Staten Island Court, Helene Sacco. Her child has been legally kidnapped from New Jersey courts on January 6, 2021, without any evidence or facts of her ever harming her child, having any serious health issues, any criminal convictions or addictions. All of the mentioned judges, including supervising judge of New York Family Courts, Janet DeFiorid, have ignored her pleads. She's not the only parent in this situation in New York State and in other states. There's a systemic problem in the United States of children being kidnapped from loving, fit parents by government-appointed officials. It's very difficult to fight against these crimes as this organized mafia protects itself and most parents become too exhausted to keep fighting. Most parents lose all their finances, health, sanity, and often their life by suicide. Marta herself has personally battled depression, PTSD, and anxiety. Attorneys that are supposed to help fight for justice are actually feeding into the machine of injustice. Many parents have gone through five or six attorneys who are quick to collect retainer fees, but are not fighting for what is right or at all. They're not fighting for children's best interests. They're feeding the process. They are feeding the machine of the injustice family courts. Finally, if the attorneys make a real attempt to stop this injustice, they will not have as much business. They are feeding from victims of courts and providing the ultimate solution might mean less vulnerable customers. So unfortunately, the situation is pretty hopeless, but Marta is not giving up and she never will. I welcome you to the show, Marta. How are you doing this evening? I am okay. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you on. I'm very sorry you're going through this. You know, it's how you know how long have you been in this? I would say game or spider's web. Uh, since uh, 2019 uh, September. It's, you know, even someone might say, well, that's not that long, but you know what, when you're in family court, that's, that's a long time. It's a lot of energy that is expended on the stress of worrying over your child and your case. Yes, you know, it feels like eternity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So where are you at now with your case? So at this time, I'm in a trial phase and I am pro se. Mm -hmm. I have a court appointed advisor and I am proceeding with the trial. I am uh, um, interviewing witnesses and presenting evidence and trying to enter the evidence into the record. Do you find that process particularly stressful? Because, very you know, much. some very much, yeah, most, some people, not all of them, some people say they just can't handle the stress of doing this by themselves. Yes, it's very difficult. And um, I understand the parents that gave up, did not have energy to fight. And I, at the same time, I would like to encourage them to continue fight and to take care of themselves mentally, physically, so they can have strength and continue to persevere. And this is not just for my child or their child, but it's for all the children in the United States that are exposed to this if they enter the court system. Mm -hmm. Because once they enter it, um, at least for, about my children, they're just not the same. Uh, my daughter is destroyed. I cannot recognize her. I raised sweet, caring, and kind, intelligent, warm girl. And I cannot describe the words who she is now, but mm -hmm. She is abusive. She hits me. She spits on me. She kicks me. She's disrespectful to strangers. She's rude in a restaurant. She is just acting out in every possible way. And it's it's horrific. Well, that's a shame. You know, I I don't know, you know what to say or how to answer to that you know how old is she uh she turned seven just a few mm -hmm. days ago yes and, and she really sounds like she should be with you because you would raise her right and not to behave like that that's correct i did raise her to a certain point and unfortunately uh when i was removed from her life and also, my family was removed from her life. Uh, the friends that she had were removed from her life by the father and his uh, fiance. Um, she's only exposed to his side of the family. And uh, the family is has long history of um, tax evasions and crimes and um she does not have a good influence. She does not have a good role model. So children this age, they are plastic. The brain has a lot of plasticity. So um, they can be brainwashed and they can be turned uh, very quickly, sadly. And from what I'm hearing from other parents, this is, this is uh, a general pattern that these kids are taking being turned against the target the fit parent 
Yes, that's correct. Uh, I am in a medical field. Um, I have experience working in psychiatry and treating patients, psychiatric patients, and um, I have extensive education in medical field. And um, uh, this uh, parental alienation has been a topic for a long time, and it has been um, rebutted by certain attorneys and judges trying to say that it does not exist. However, in November 2021, to solidify that this exists, the medical uh, society uh, deemed to be a diagnosis and there is a billing code for this. So it actually uh, became uh, an illness that is built for when children experiencing it, which I consider it a wonderful progress that mm -hmm. is recognized by medical field. And that is a good step that it cannot be denied by certain judges or attorneys. Mm -hmm. Would that be um, found in the DSM-5, Child Psychological Abuse, B995.51? It, it would be in the most uh, recent DSM. Um, if you look uh billing code for parental alienation, mm -hmm. it explains uh, what it is in medical terms. Okay, that's interesting. You know, how did you stumble across this? Well, I was on the lookout for it because researching it and uh, learning that um certain uh, law professionals are trying to dispute it. I was looking forward to some solid uh, definition and I was on the lookout and finally it came on. I know attorney Ashi Joshi wrote a book last year called Litigating Parental Alienation and you know, I, I think that's great. He wrote that as well. He's acknowledging it. Yes. And actually, um, there is a researcher uh, in Colorado University. Uh, she's a child psychologist. And uh, unfortunately, I don't remember her name, but uh, she uh, recently uh, did research combining all the previous research about parental alienation and also from the uh, psychology perspective, uh, she uh, deemed it to be a real thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, Dr. Jennifer Jill Harmon. It she, might think, be. You are aware yeah. of this one? I think she's the one out in Colorado. Yes. You know, um, now you've also recorded a few informational videos that are on YouTube. Yes. Uh, you know, about how to preserve your mental health in the custody battle. Yes. Um, so it is a crucial part of surviving this, um, taking care of your mental health, um, putting it first, because if you are a parent and you are not well, you cannot help your child. You won't be able to do it. Um, there is a lot of stigma with mental health. A lot of people deny it and they think, oh, it's stress. 
but this kind of stress can push people to actual mental illnesses Mm -hmm. and some very severe including depression and suicide and I know personally parents that have attempted it and it's um it's very uh very sad that in our society this is what it's done to the citizens the parents Mm -hmm. and you know these judges are actually responsible for all of these problems in my opinion uh my friend kenneth gottfried he has written a couple of books he's got them on amazon uh one is about the apa and child abusers wear black robes yes i heard about that and yeah it is a spot on in the thing is they don't care i don't believe these judges care do you you know I um I am in a medical field and I try to understand um from every angle a uh, very difficult job that they have um uh, having other people's lives in their hands uh and I am in a similar situation I have people's lives in my hands mm-hmm. and it's very challenging and I compare myself to those judges and how they handle it and uh, how I handle it. And as far as it is very responsible and difficult job, I think each professional is supposed to take ownership, supposed to take ownership for doing the right thing and doing it continuously. And if the systems are failing because the judges have 30 minutes to hear the case and they are going through it very fast because they're overloaded. They don't have time to read the papers. I don't think that's an excuse because if I didn't have time to read the lab results and ignore that the patient is bleeding, there's no excuse. I agree with you. I mean, I was a nurse too. And, you know, we had to look at the labs and call the doctor with the lab results so we could give Coumadin, you know, or not give Coumadin. (laughs) And these judges, they're not even reading the case history. They're not. And judges admitted it on the record to me. Oh, I didn't have time to read it. I'll just Mm -hmm. continue all the orders without knowing what you're ordering. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a federal court judge say that he did not read the exhibits and he just ruled them irrelevant. Typical. It's Typical. neglect. It's neglect. Mm-hmm. And it's not taking the privilege given seriously. It's not appreciating the power given. Uh, I mean... You hear people in healthcare, they burn out, they become exhausted and they don't care anymore. I try to think in that way that they're not bad people. Maybe they're burned out, maybe they're exhausted, but ultimately people suffer in a big way, including loss of life because the job is not being done the way it's supposed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Right. And, you know, these lower court judges terminate custody of the parent, as we were saying, without evidence of abuse and neglect. And, um, you know, this is what they all do around the country and globally. Yes. And it's like now, as I talk to more parents, it's like we're not allowed to be parents. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's happened to the U.S. over these years, but it seems like we're going into a, if we're not already a second world nation. Oh, yeah. This is uh, not a first world, world country. I was raised in a communist country and I was a child and this is worse than communist country. When there's just no justice anywhere, you know, what is the remedy? I just shake my head. The worst thing is that, you know, I was raised in communism and we knew we had no rights. We knew we had no say. Here, we are told we do, and it's not true. So it's actually more exhausting to find out over years that you have no rights. No, they're really, once the government comes into your life, <laughs> you know, it just... Uh... You just don't have any control over your your uh, co co parenting, shared parenting, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's they're destroying everybody's families. I have no control over many aspects of my life because of the situation, including having personal relationships. I was engaged and. Uh, the father of my child, besides making false allegations against me, made allegations against my fiance. And he got upset. The guy mm -hmm. got upset. Uh, that was invasion of his privacy, slander. So anyone around me that is involved uh, can suffer from it. So it's mm -hmm. difficult to even have personal relationships. Uh, plus people that hear it, they're afraid of my ex. They're afraid that he will do the same thing to them. Uh, so you kind of are alone. I have few people that have been through with this with me all throughout, but they fear. They fear that if they speak up, they will pay the price just like I am paying. Mm -hmm. Well, when I was just dating my current husband, now this was only two weeks into dating, we got a letter from a lawyer saying that this man I was dating had three babies out of wedlock, had been through bankruptcy twice. Wow. And that, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever accusation they, they were making about my soon to, well, at some point soon to be current husband. So we took it to an attorney and he looked at the letter and he said, you know, really, he said he wouldn't put any time to into it, you know? So I said, 
so people can say whatever they want about you? And he said, well, he said, look at it this way, guys, you're at on the first floor of a burning building building. I'm dealing with people that are on the seventh floor of the burning building. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what does that, you know? <laughs> so I guess people can actually slander you and defame you and it's okay. I, I have yet to meet an attorney that will, I don't know, defend that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I find that attorneys, um, they're more interested in cases that will more likely to bring them uh, revenue in any way. So um, if they consider something too minor to bring revenue, um, it's your problem. You deal with it. They will not help you unless mm-hmm. there is a paycheck attached to it. It's a shame because people, I mean, I went through about four attorneys and then I went pro se because I, I had just had it. I, I You can only rack up a charge card so much. And um, <clears throat> it was no picnic, but I, I have to admit that I did enjoy arguing in the courtroom. I don't know if you um, enjoy that or... I would not say I would not say I enjoy that. Um, I don't enjoy that. Uh, But the value of my child being left there without me putting up the fight is stronger than the discomfort of being there. And it's a very emotional situation. And um i meditate i do yoga i exercise to mm-hmm. be as focused as i can be um to present facts right now do you find when you go into the courtroom they let the opposing side speak first all the time well at first that was the case uh and i have been learning more and more about the rules and I have been uh, becoming more vocal and strong in asserting my rights. So um, I developed enough strength to speak up if the rights are being violated. So if I filed a motion and Mm -hmm. an attorney tried to take over, I object and I say, your honor, I filed this motion. I ought to start and present, and then in order he can respond. Mm-hmm. Why is this allowed? This is bias. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in my case, they were the ones filing the motion, and then I was being dragged into family court. And because I was wondering, why are they talking all the time? It's always them before me. And then it's like, well, yeah, they're the ones filing the motion. Uh, you know, it was is frivolous litigation is what they put these targeted fit parents through. That that is one strategy. Um, in my case, uh, the strategy of my ex uh, has been leveraging his position as a medical doctor and uh, putting in writing uh, his diagnosis of three mental health disorders that don't exist in me and not providing any medical records and his opinion because he's a doctor 
he leveraged that and he di he diagnosed me with four mental health disorders which i had uh, actual psychologists with 30 years of experience to dispute uh, but that's how he got the leverage i think also these judges identify with narcissistic individuals in these courtrooms because you know they can identify with that person throwing their weight around yes i hear that a lot um that a lot of um people in power tend to have those traits uh they enjoy power and um they see the others that are alike and they stick to them they stick for them and um it's also i think a plague in our society that uh people with narcissistic and sociopathic traits because the way they operate and the way they lie and manipulate mm -hmm. uh, they get to the top quite quickly and efficiently their ruthlessness gets them far and there's no system in our society to detect these personality traits and these people and before they get to the powerful position where they can cause a lot of damage and um i inquired about that a lot uh is the police surveillancing these are a mental health uh mentally ill people that dis are destroying society mm -hmm. You know, and I had wondered, you know, why my ex could, and his attorney, um, narcissistic, sociopathic individual, would call me mentally ill, but they wouldn't name a diagnosis. So I had gotten a psych eval, which was pristine. And they still went on with the false narrative that I was mentally ill. They shot out that silver bullet. Yes, and I am fortunate to have um, medical knowledge and to uh, be able to fight that off. Uh, I think I'm very, very blessed that I have mm -hmm. that knowledge. And I share that knowledge with other litigants that are coming for help for me uh, that have less knowledge. And I tell them exactly what to say in a courtroom when this is being brought up to stand firm to mm -hmm. reject however um being a victim and being so tormented uh people tend to believe that they have those disorders being alleged of and um and it often works it's like self-fulfilling prophecy well you know it's it's good you can guide people through this uh labyrinth of hell Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, family court is literally, it's a torture chamber. And people don't realize that because, you know, there's no jury. I think it should be abolished. I think so, too. I think uh, it's so far gone that it's not going to change with 
any reorganization. I think it just need to be thrown away and started from scratch new. And the parents need to be there in the courtroom to speak for the children. Uh, the judges often are childless mm-hmm. and they make decisions about the child. Mm-hmm. My judge ordered a visit for me for Christmas for my five-year-old child from 4 p.m. till 11.30 p.m. The child goes to bed at 8.30. It just shows how clueless she is about the child. The child is tired. The child Mm. is agitated. It's Mm. completely oblivious. That's that's a shame. My judge was a grandfather of seven grandchildren. And you would think he would have enough brains. But the thing is, you know, you can look at him and say, well, he's a grandpa. He's got seven grandkids. You know, he'll understand this. But the real root of the problem was that he and the opposing attorney were BFFs in the DA's office for years you know, they work there and, you know, so everybody knows everybody. Yes. And that's another problem that there are connections and the connections go beyond the courtroom and uh, there is bias and there's no justice. There is a, a organized conspiracy. Um, I, at some point, uh, encountered this recording. I think it was in Virginia uh, somebody recorded judges and attorneys uh, speaking about the parent, uh, a mom at this point, and planning to make her crazy. And they had that conversation before the trial, before the court, and that was posted. And that's just one of proven records of that happening. And I hope that people that work in the court that have consciousness and that hear it will do the same. We'll record and we'll release it. If they're afraid, they can do it anonymously, but they can save life that way. Mm -hmm. I've found with these court clerks and even on one of my podcasts, one of my friends, um, He's an attorney. He said the clerks have more power than the judges. I I have not experienced that, but there must be something to it. Mm-hmm. Well, even my ex is married to a woman that works in the courthouse who is a clerk. Hmm. And, and as I put all these pieces together, she knew exactly who to hire for an attorney and judge. Hmm. If I, you know, it's like, they're around all these people all the time. They see everybody come and go and they develop rapport with them. And so they have really earned the name whore of the court. I'm sure they have a lot of information to uh, take advantage of. And I just wish they did good with it, not bad. Right. You would think people would have a conscience, but I think if you have a conscience, I mean, there's no way would I work 
in a courthouse? Um, you know, at the same time, um, human nature is complicated. And um, I don't like to put all people in one group and classify them certain way. Um, certain people have no courage mm -hmm. uh, to speak up. I think a lot of times that that's the fear of their own livelihood um, mm -hmm. that might be stopping them. I I would hope that they're not so lost that they completely don't care. So I wouldn't want to say that they all don't care. Um, they might have other reasons for not speaking up. Um, but bravery is um, a wonderful trait that we should strive for. Mm -hmm. And when you're a pro se litigant, you've got to be really strong and very brave. Yes. You know, it's, I know when, you know, I would be driving into the courthouse, you know, or even superior court, you know, I would be listening to some um, really strong rap music <laughs> to get me, get me in a mindset, you know, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, everyone has ways of preparing themselves. You know, how Def do you prepare? How do you prepare yourself? I mean, definitely uh, a music. I actually, yes, found it very helpful in this and listening to power songs um, is very helpful. Um, the song Ugly Dolls Unbreakable, mm -hmm. that is lifting my spirits. Uh, uh, the song Titanium, it's very helpful. And lately I found this song, um, the old song, the title is I Am the woman and it, it does lift the spirits um i've been doing a lot of yoga and that really helps to uh center to focus and to relax your muscles and allow you to focus on your body and mm -hmm. responses to be able to control it in a better way in the courtroom uh exercise uh getting endorphins flowing with exercise and, you know, generally healthy nutrition, um, no, you know, no alcohol, um, mm. getting a good night's sleep, very important. And, uh, you know, keeping balance and also having positive things in your life. Um, my dog has been wonderful. Uh, she's a, a wonderful medicine, you know, just holding her um, and surrounding yourself with the right people that mm -hmm. are supportive uh and that i found all very helpful and of course learning learning being open to learn and being open to accept mistakes and learn from them and continue moving forward and not giving up because of one failure well sure because you know maybe one you know step back you've got to keep going and take the next couple of steps. Um, you know, I don't, have you gone as far as the Supreme Court? How far have you gone? So at this time I filed um, 
appeals. So there is a process in um court system to follow. Um, the orders that are uh, provided in New York, every one of them states in the bold that it can be appealed in within thirty days of the order. Um, there's a common notion that says that uh, only final orders can be appealed, but each and one of them says that this particular order can be appealed. So it's very confusing, uh, but yes, you can appeal it and it's up to the next court to decide on it. And if you justify why you're appealing and what the decision is that is inappropriate and why is it against the law and you produce the law, the correct decision should have been based on uh, the appellate court can uh, change that order. And in New York, in my district, um, I partnered with many parents and we share our experiences and appellate division, um, they reject everything. It seems like they don't even read it. <laughs> they write the same answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but then like I said, persevering, then you go to the next level, which is Court of Appeals. Uh, those courts might be named a little differently in each state, but that's the next level. And after that is Supreme Court of the United States. Mm -hmm. And that's my next step. I have appealed in all the courts. I also filed the federal complaint. It's a separate different court um, that you can file against a uh, violations of constitutional rights, federal laws. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called like 1983 lawsuit for deprivation of rights by the government official. So that is something that can be done independently at any point. Um, and going to Supreme Court of the United States, um, I have not done that yet. And I'm educating myself about how to do it. And I've done some research and I noticed that no parent has been heard about this topic. And the topic is, can the judge in lower court take the child away from the custody of the parent without any evidence of abuse of neglect of that child, without any evidence of any kind of danger the child is in the care of this parent. Can the judge do that? It's a no-brainer. The answer mm -hmm. is no. But it happens every day in almost every state I've heard in this country. So it is a systemic problem and our government needs to address it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's such a billion dollar business. I don't know if they will. Well, then we go on the streets and mm -hmm. we start revolution. That's our right. We choose this government. We can take it down. It is in Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. We create the government and we take it down if we have to. Well, I've also read that every couple hundred years, things like this happen. You know, it's just the judiciary has gotten far too out of hand and there's no redress. 
there's because I went up to the appellate level myself and they just dismissed the case. <laughs> yep. You know, even with a thousand pieces of evidence, you can have all the evidence that you that's just you've got to claim, but they don't want to hear it. They just do their own thing. It is our right, our declaration of independence, right? That we are all created equal and we form the government. And if we are not happy, we change the government. We, the people, are in charge. We elect those officials. We pay the taxes for their salaries. We have the power and mm -hmm. we should not forget that. And the thing is, though, when, you know, like some judges are voted in, some are just, I don't know, magically appear there and stay there forever, right? <laughs> but, yes. but when people go to vote, they don't know who they're voting for. Or even if this judge is in family court or is this judge in criminal court, I don't think these people, these voters really understand how critical this is. This is this is actually a life or death situation when voting for a judge. Correct. And um, we should be more diligent and we should pay more attention and we should be there and we should vote and look into this really closely because even though it might not affect someone today, mm -hmm. if it affects their child their neighbor their cousin the whole family collapses my whole family is suffering because of this so um we should not wait till it personally affects us we should be educating ourselves and taking an ownership of this country and how it's run. Every one of us has the responsibility. And I like this saying, don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Each one of us has a power. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember being at the, the voting um, was last year and I know some judge was up for re-election and I just Googled him and just studied what he did quickly because, you know, there wasn't a line or anything, but I just want to know who I was voting for. And I wish more people would do that and then also look at their reviews on Google. Right. And definitely doing the research, paying attention, who we put in power. It's very important and very smart thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's when I'm sure you've done this. A lot of people have done this. You go and, you know, file, you know, um, a grievance against an attorney and or a judge. And they and then you get a letter in the mail about two weeks later saying that it wasn't unethical enough. Mm -hmm. So then... You know, you can go back and write another letter. You know, I, I suggest to people, you know, write write back to them and, and say, hey, I'd like to reopen this case. These are my concerns. List them, go in there deeper and give them more evidence. 
as to your complaint against this attorney and or judge, as well as go on Google and leave a good review with photographs of motions or whatever to back up what you're saying. Definitely. Uh, Google is a wonderful tool. It takes two minutes. Google is a very powerful company. And so far, they've been respecting our freedom of speech. Google is read all over the world. Anyone can look it up anywhere. And I think it's a very simple and powerful tool that we should utilize to speak the truth and to keep the people accountable for what they're doing. And they do a very good job of hiding the facts and hiding themselves. It takes two minutes to send it to the whole world. Mm -hmm. I think some parents might be afraid um, <clears throat> of retaliation, you know, but um, it's like how much a parent has been through in family court is, you know, you've had enough. Like you said, the courage. It mm -hmm. takes courage to fight for what's right. It takes strength and it takes awareness of your rights. You know, what advice would you give someone who's contemplating going pro se? <clears throat> well, I, I think it's, you know, each individual uh, person uh, thing that they have to uh, look at the situation objectively and decide on her own whether they are capable um there is way to strengthen your position there's way to strengthen yourself to be able to do that and um like i said definitely taking care of your health your mental mm -hmm. health uh definitely educating and preparing and also uh, looking for alternative uh, sources of support. Um, and uh, more and more groups are getting created where uh, people share um, the information and um, support each other. There is a lot of organization that are supposed to help. However, uh, oftentimes they're funded by uh, federal government or the same organizations that are actually hurting you. So they create mm -hmm. the organization that's supposed to uh, help the litigants, but that organization gets paid by, uh, let's say, New York State and in their policy, they're not allowed to fully represent. So <clears throat> finding organization that is legitimate and that is not financially supported by your enemy is very important. Um, there's uh, law schools that provide free clinics. That's very uh, often good independent source. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. These are my uh, my dogs. They're wonderful, but sometimes they're disruptive. So I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. So, uh, yeah, so preparing uh, and, you know, having a support um, using other people's experiences for example you know we formed a group in new york 
where we share with each other our work, we share our experiences, we share our loss, we talk about the clerks that are helpful and about mm-hmm. the clerks that are not helpful. Right. Uh, sometimes uh, clerks, um, you know, can be a big help and they cannot give you advice. But if you ask the question in the right way, um, you can get either pointed in the right direction or get your answer. Um, so definitely being resourceful. Um, it's not mm-hmm. something to be done on your own. And I would highly recommend uh, this um, Amazon show. It's called Law School for Everyone. And I think every person living in the United States should uh, watch that show. It very easily explains the basics and it's a good foundation um, to start. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent. So the group that you have in New York, what is that group called? Well, the group that we have in New York is unofficial group. And it's just parents that are um, combined together, victims, and we working together. Um, six of us had the same judge, Janet McFarland, to um, violate our rights and remove our child. So together... Um, we're filing in federal court the complaint to show the uh, pattern. So I think important is that two people uh, communicate and get together if they experience the same um, tyrant to violate their mm-hmm. rights. Uh, they are more powerful if they show the pattern. Um, and um, among these people, I'm formulating a non-for-profit organization uh, designed just for that reason to help those litigants that want to go proceed that can't afford that are emotionally broken and um, to support them in every way to share the information to provide information in a easy digestible uh, format uh, to provide examples to uh, go to the court with them and be there and listen as uh, on the side because often when you are in a court and you are there you're emotional and you might not register everything that happened so having that second person Mm -hmm. to register things you might have missed it's very helpful or just give you a feedback about your performance and give you opportunity to improve that is helpful Uh, so the organization that i'm forming is going to be called parents for um, best interests of the children and it's non-for-profit and it's designed for parents fighting for best interests of their children it could be grandparents any family members anyone that is fighting for best interests of the children um, will be receiving help and i hope to grow uh, nationwide and uh, empower those that Mm -hmm. feel powerless that's excellent i'm so glad you're doing that to help people how can how can people reach you about this or do you have an email or facebook Yes. yes uh the email for my organization is for children best interests at gmail.com it's for 
children's best interests at gmail.com. Uh, this is um, still in works. Um, so we are operating at very slow level. Um, but I am hoping to get donations to uh, expand. And uh, there's a lot of parents that have gone through and have fought and they would be eligible for hire to be a guidance and support for the people that are in the midst of it and that are in the lowest of the lowest and to carry them to the next phase. And no matter what that phase is, if they need shoulder to cry on, mm -hmm. they can get that as well. If they mm -hmm. need a motion to be written, they can get that too. If they need somebody to go to the court with them, they can get that too. I'm hoping in the future to hire attorneys to actually be representing. And I'm hoping uh, young people graduating from law schools um, they can volunteer and I hope they will have a, a better mindset that current attorneys practicing and a fresh mindset uh, to fight for justice for those that need it. Most definitely. And I'd also like to have you back on the podcast in the future. And, uh, yes. Thank you. I will. Definitely. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I hope, um, we can all make this country a better place for our children and for future generations. I hope we can leave this place better than when we came on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, don't jump off, um, slam the gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Marta in the future and other exciting guests. Thank you again, Marta. Thank you.